1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hey, what's going on? It's Metal Shop doing a little at-home podcasting right now. Um, speaking with someone all the way in Germany, Robin Stapps from the Ocean, the Ocean Collective. They have a new album, a uh Paleozoic Or I'm sorry, that was the last one, but the new one is Phenerozoic 2, Mesozoic, Cenozoic, coming out September 25th on Metal Blade Records, highly anticipated album. Robin, uh, how are you doing today, man? What time is it right now where you are? Pretty good man. Um it's about 6 6:30 the evening here. I'm in Spain actually, not in Germany oh, right
2: now. I okay. managed to uh, es- escape from Berlin when flights opened again last week actually. So, yeah. I'm having a little uh, off time here. Doing great.
0: Nice man. Well, uh <laughs> obviously 2020's been a hell of a strange year. Um Honestly, the strangest I've ever been uh, alive to see, uh, and and we're still, you know, yeah. But we, but we got to keep going on, you know, with it and everything. You guys have a new record coming out. Um, but personally, these last few months, I mean, obviously, these last few months have been crazy. How have you been? Um, how have you been staying sane? How you been staying safe? Uh, what have you been up to?
2: well i was uh I was stuck in Berlin basically where I live, and to be honest it it really wasn't the worst time mm-hmm. um <laughs> I had lots of off time to do other things that I otherwise would have never found the time to to do, I guess, um, sure. such as working on a photo book, uh, 130 pages photo book documenting our tours of 2019 on the first part of the Sunrozoic record. That took a lot of time, yeah. and it, just, it turned out to be a beautiful project, but it was, uh, yeah, it would have been completely impossible if it wasn't for the, the total uh, halt uh, to which we came, you know, when, when all of this happened. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to see it positive, man. Like there's nothing we can do about it. Anyways, obviously we had a whole bunch of canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a South America tour booked for may that we had to cancel, but luckily there was no flights booked yet. So we could just postpone it without, you know, any, any costs to us. Yeah. And lots of summer festivals, Bakken and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, festival in Russia and like a whole, whole lot of stuff was canceled. But I think we just managed to, um, to reset our minds pretty quickly on uh, the fact that this is something we can't do anything about Mm -hmm. and to you know look for other opportunities and try to make the best out of it and also i have to say that it kind of came at the right time because our bass player has um <laughs> has a weird disease on his fingers oh. Oh, psoriasis it's a skin disease so he oh, hasn't i have psoriasis to yeah. his instrument for like uh, a couple months actually and uh, our, our vocalist just had surgery to his ear so if it wasn't for COVID 19 i think we would have been kind of knocked out anyway so mm-hmm. yeah it really, it somehow just really came at the right time for us i guess
0: definitely man. yeah i have psoriasis too it's it's kind of a it can be oh, all right it can range from just kind of a cosmetic thing to actually pretty debilitating so it sounds like uh yeah but um it so
2: it's pretty bad for him like his his uh you know the tips of his fingers were getting loose and stuff and oh, yeah it's wow. pretty gross <laughs> damn so yeah it's he wouldn't have been able to play with us, I guess.
0: So, okay, so yeah, so I kind of wanted to ask this question that's it's it's uh just follow along with me for a second if you can. So, we're all in this weird time frame where if we want to stay connected, we want to read the news, obviously, sometimes it can be a bit depressing or sad. Um, if you have a day where there's a lot of negativity or bad news, um, Robin, what is, a, what is an album that you can go back to time and time again that can refocus you? Is there one you can get lost in, the one that can kind of just uplift you, change your mood?
2: Uh, well, difficult to name one. There is lots of lots of records that I always keep going back to. Obviously, but it really depends on my mood. I, okay. I wouldn't be able to say from the top of my head. Uh, there's this one record that I always listen to when I feel down. Uh, it's usually not like that. I listen to a lot of type, like a lot of different tastes, different styles of music. I have a very diverse taste. Okay, um, anything from electronic music to metal and post rock and, uh, and jazz and instrumental music and uh, fusion and like. Literally everything in it and um it kind of depends if it's more like a melancholic vibe that makes me want to listen to something old that i used to listen to when when i was growing up or or something more contemporary that i just find really uplifting because
0: it's new and fresh and you yeah. know so it it, it really depends uh, <laughs> i would have to think more about that fair enough man put you on the spot anyways so let's talk about the album though so um obviously highly anticipated you guys have such a a uh i mean you might not be the biggest band in the world but for the fans that love you guys, and you guys are a pretty damn big metal band. But I mean, not just metal band, but Prague and and rock and everything. But you guys are are awesome. But the thing that blows my mind is the dedication of your fans and the and the amount of and the amount of just like anticipation for this record. Um, so the record's called Phanerozo- uh, Phanerozoic 2 Mesozoic uh, Cenozoic. Hope I got that right. Coming out September twenty fifth. Metal pronounceable, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly uh september 25th Mission accomplished <laughs> metal blade records um so we're not going to be spoiling anything here but what can you tell us about the album can you give us a couple you know things that that you that you're looking forward to about with the release well first of all i i
2: agree with you what you just said uh we're very lucky to have very dedicated fans that really uh support us mm-hmm. for a lot of them for a long time already. I mean, the band's been around for almost 20 years, and uh, by this time now, we really have this tribe of people that follow us and buy everything we release on vinyl, and it's usually pretty crazy packagings that come at a price. But we know we can do that because our fans will buy it, and we're incredibly thankful for that. So it's, yeah. it's really, really great, and um, that allows us obviously to do cool stuff, you know, and to do uh, to realize projects which otherwise would just be too risky or too too costly. Um, like for the Federal zoic Records, we did a box set that is basically. Basically, a wooden box that comes with a branded, uh, like engraving on the front, and uh, like four four records in it—the two Phanerozoic records and their instrumental versions. So it's a total of like six or seven vinyl records. Holy crap! And then in, an engraved slate rock plate and uh, actually authentic prehistoric fossils. There's like a trilobite that came with a box set that's 350 million years old, and things like that. Uh, are not cheap, they're very time-consuming to realize, and we wouldn't be able to do that if Jesus. our fans weren't craving for that type of stuff, and, right? and if they weren't willing to spend money on that. So, we are very, very thankful for that, and uh, yeah, it's really great. And, um, well, the record... Um Fenerozoic 2 is obviously continuing where Fenerozoic 1 left off. Yeah. Fenerozoic is the time that we currently live in. Mm. It's a, a geological um, eon, and it started 540 million years ago and carries on until the present tense. So okay. we're kind of like living at the end of the Phanerozoic, And... Um, Well, the second part, uh, Mesozoic, Cenozoic, is focusing on these subordinate eras. Um, What happened at the Mesozoic, I guess a lot of people um, are aware, is that uh, some 65 million years ago, this giant asteroid collided with Earth and wiped out the dinos and (laughs) pretty much everything else on Earth. And this is kind of like the red thread that goes through this record. So it's kind of a dinosaur record, but not really, because we're imagining uh, that scenario taken to the human level, to our time, and uh, imagining this planet collision you know on a uh, on a large scale and if you do that you arrive at last melancholia movie which is kind of like the backbone of the lyrics um, the idea that there is yeah like you know some something falling from the sky that will wipe out out humanity and life on earth as a whole and how we deal as individuals with that prospect that's pretty much what's at the heart of this record
0: have you guys ever have you ever thought about writing like a novel with all of these themes <laughs> Um, I, I have actually, um, but I, it's not that
2: I really have considered it like music has just been taking so much of my time the last couple of years. And it's not just the band, but also the record label that I run. Oh, that, yeah. Um, it hasn't really left me much, uh, resources to think about that, but I would be very interested to do that. It's maybe just something I will start looking into, uh, at a later stage in my life.
0: Fair, fair, enough, fair enough. Uh, so, uh, what? Uh, you, so, with this, um, uh, Fenerozoic, uh you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't even know how to say it. Like with the, with the, uh, the whole theme with the two albums. Um, what, what made you guys decide to do two different um, albums linked together as opposed to just one really, really long double or triple album?
2: We didn't want to do that this time around We've kind of done that before uh, We're kind of like uh, We've embraced the idea of The double record for a long time yeah. Function and Aeolian that came out in 2005 2006 was a mm-hmm. double album Precambrian was that as well yeah. It was actually released as, as one record But it was two discs and like two separate Records and then Heliocentric And Anthropocentric were released separately In 2010 but also belong together So we've, we've kind of always done that And I, I don't know why this dichotomy always has been like part of our uh, release plan. I guess it's because the material I write is quite diverse, and I also write a lot. So by the time we're able to enter the studio, there's usually more material written than what would fit on a single slab of vinyl. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, how do you separate it? And I usually just try to group it together in in uh, yeah, in, in groups of songs that kind of make sense to be on the same record and to fit together. It's I don't want the records to be too challenging or too annoying in terms of like going through too many different styles or or, or moods or whatever. It has to have a sort sort of coherence and consistency, and that's why I usually try to group songs that, to me at least, belong together um, on on one record. And that's the same that we did here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the first part of the record is quite streamlined. It's it's some songs of similar tempos and. And there's this certain vibe that just goes through the record from the beginning to the end and those tracks was kind of clear to me from the beginning that they would need to be together, they were also written around the same time and yeah. uh, you know they were kind of like in a, a unity um, that like an entity that belonged together. The second part was initially just the leftovers, they were the more eclectic, more experimental songs that didn't fit on the first record yeah. but um, I'm really happy to say that they developed uh, you know, and that that second record developed an identity of its own Um, as we were going through the process of working out these tracks and putting them together and, uh, it's quite a journey, like, like it starts in one place and concludes in a totally different place. And you wouldn't necessarily be able to anticipate that when you start listening to the beginning of the record, I think, but that's something that just happened, um, across the process
0: and, uh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just taking it all in. It happened throughout the process. (laughs) well i'm I'm stoked to take it all in uh speaking of and and listen to it obviously we're talking about the record uh, that's coming out september 25th on metal blade records we were mentioning um you guys have a dedicated fan base uh, so we're all stoked to hear this um and i wanted to go back a little bit and, and and um robin stapps is who i'm speaking with um from the ocean in case you're just tuning in um you know we weren't all born with judas priest t-shirts what was the first album that you ever purchased with your own money, whether it be a CD, a tape, vinyl? What about what was the first album that you purchased with your own money, dude?
2: I'm pretty sure that was Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Nice. Um, that was kind of like the first record that got me into guitar music yeah. uh, when I was maybe like 10 or 11 years old. Okay. And uh, I, I bought that record on tape. Actually, that was the big thing back then. <laughs>
0: Alright, and then, uh, yeah. so that inspired you, like, listening to Slash to pick up an instrument yourself?
2: Um, well, it, it, to be honest, it was a little bit before I actually started playing guitar, but but it was my first big love of rock and roll and like really getting into a band to a degree where I, you know, I would know all the lyrics by heart and uh, I got to see them as well. And I think it was like 91 or something like that on the on the Use Your Illusion tour. And uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was my first big love of rock and roll. And then uh, other things happened and I started listening to heavier stuff and mm-hmm. uh, then eventually also got into. Like the early 90s hardcore scene, Ben's like sick of it all, and yeah, and uh, biohazard, and like you know, all the New York stuff, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then straight edge hardcore happened. And then th- around that time, and like must have been like 92 or 93 is when I really started picking up an instrument and learning guitar, and um, just tried figuring out riffs of my favorite bands and played in a hardcore cover band. And we were playing like Gorilla Biscuits and side-by-side songs and stuff like that. Wow, so That was I- my initial, uh, my initial, uh, yeah, picking up an instrument and, and starting to play music, and then it just took off from there.
0: Dude, listening to your music, I would have never guessed that you were an old hardcore kid. Um, I, I love hardcore. Oh, yeah. I love hardcore, too. I'm looking at a, a rack of cassette tapes with, like, Sick of It All and and uh, Undertow and Unbroken and stuff like that. Um, what a- oh, yeah, man.
2: I saw all these bands live, Sick of It All, in 93 or 94. was my I think that was my first hardcore show, Sick of It All with Strive. And then uh, Unbroken must have come over to Europe around the same time, and yeah, that was pretty sick. And I saw Undertale as well. They toured with Ignite, I think. So yeah, yeah the, they I, did. I that was the their only European
0: tour. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, okay, well let's let's jump into that real quick. What are what are like four or five like essential hardcore records when you think to that time in your life? Like four or five, just like essentials that you would give to someone to like here's here's your starter pack um well from the top
2: of my head uh we already spoke about Unbroken life love regret was yeah. definitely one of those records for me and um Let's say you know I, I really suck with like naming records. Like you, you, you can tell. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's <laughs> already the second time that you asked me this type of question. Like the uh, first one was, "What type of record do you go back to when you're when you're sad?" Honestly, I don't know. It really depends on my mood. But um, yeah, I, I I I should look at my collection. I was into uh, there was a there was a band from Sweden called Abinanda that I was really really into. Okay, as I said already uh, a lot of New York stuff. Um, um, sick of it all just look around would be mm-hmm. one of those records um, I was really into judge and side by side and this type of stuff yeah and uh, a lot of Swedish stuff uh, uh, refused the shape of Punk to come obviously there was 1998 but yeah. that was kind of like a, a borderline hardcore record there was a little bit more than that totally and uh, breach another Swedish band released a record called venom also must have been like 96 90, 96, 97 or something like that. That was a groundbreaking record for me that I really really loved, and uh, yeah, lots of other stuff. That's Spent cool. Groundwork I was really into. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and some West Coast stuff as well. Like I think Undertow were
0: yep. from from Seattle or yep. something like that. Yes, they were. And-
2: there was like lots of cool bands coming from that that uh, that side of the country as well
0: yeah um, strain remember that band oh absolutely man uh strain uh, from vancouver uh trial from seattle from Vancouver, yeah, yeah exactly yeah um so one thing and I also
2: don- some california stuff some of the more posi stuff like uniform choice and ignite you know mm-hmm. that i was also into that
0: Nice, dude. Interesting. I would have never guessed, but that's awesome to hear. And, 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 uh, one thing that I've always heard when listening to like podcasts with hardcore musicians or just reading, you know, maximum rock and roll or, or these things, uh, talking about touring Germany, touring Europe, they always talk about how cool it is to, um, play in these like kind of punk commune sort of, um, squats. Uh, uh-huh is that did you guys have you ever played those kind of venues and and what's the um like history there like how long have these kind of like squats and 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 punk houses and kind of communal living spaces been around do you know
2: well, they've mostly disappeared now. Um, speaking about Berlin, I, I moved to Berlin in uh, 99 or 2000, I think. And by that time, there was heaps of squats and uh, lots of gigs happening there as well. And yeah. it was also just a great cheap opportunity where you could get food for like one euro for a full meal or something. Sure. You know, like there's always uh, some Polish punks cooking food. And um, I used to hang out there a lot. And the Ocean played there a lot. We, we played a lot of squat shows in the early days. And we were always the odd band that, that uh, played with a bunch of hardcore and punk rock bands, but we brought out lights and, like, floor lights, you know, just shit yep. park hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the punk bands were laughing at us. But in the end, it made the music a lot more just atmospheric and moody, and uh, somehow it worked out really well. And, yeah, we played a lot of squat shows, but they've mostly been... Uh, They've mostly fallen victim to, you know, real estate development in Berlin course, yeah. and uh, have been suppressed and just like pushed out of the inner cities. And uh, there's still a couple, there's still a Kirby, there's still a couple in sign left, but not nearly as much anymore as around the turn of the millennium. So this culture is kind of just, unfortunately, just in the process of disappearing. But yeah, it's been very... It's been very important to have that uh, growing up as a band because at least you, you would always get a place to crash, you would always get get fed, yeah, and uh, and there was always people, there was always a good crowd, and uh, you know not the people that buy a ticket because they want to specifically see a band, but just because they're part of that community and they yeah. come out anyway. So even small bands that nobody knew would always have um, some sort of a crowd, and uh, th- that that was really nice to um, for for a band that was starting up, you know, to to have these type of places to play
0: that's awesome that you have that foundation too that like you grew up with the the diy punk and hardcore ethics so i think that that's important um to have that foundation whether or not you stay in that genre obviously you guys have kind of progressed and your music is so well-rounded and and so out there um but you guys still have that you have that foundation of like the importance of community the importance of like diy ethics that's kind of awesome to hear dude
2: Absolutely. And I think that has helped us a lot um, growing, you know, as, as the band was growing because um, it's just this mindset that you need to take care of things on your own, you know, not rep- not rely on a booking agent or a label to do things for you, but yeah. actually go out there and, and do it yourself. Um, that's what we've done in the early days because there was no one else doing it for us. And I think just this, this spirit has really helped us uh get out of the mud because uh yeah a lot of bands these days also like speaking uh, from the perspective of a label owner um we get that a lot uh, that uh, these younger bands you know they're just expecting a label to do all the work for them and it's yeah. it's not like that you need to go out there and, and book tours and 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 make things happen for yourself of course we can promote the record and and push it from our end and and, uh, you know, it's it's important to, to build a good team there. But what's most important is the band actually has this kind of, like, DIY mentality, this DIY spirit. Yeah. That they want something and have certain ideas and goals, and that they somehow know at least how to, you know, how to go about doing them. And um, that's something we learned in the punk and hardcore scene, and I'm very thankful for that. And I think I think that that was a great experience.
0: That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm stoked to hear that. Um, So... I want to pivot a little bit um, to, you know, with, with the album coming out, um, obviously no one can tell the future, um, but on the idea of, of, of attending and, 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 you know, touring and stuff, if you were to guess, when do you think we might be able to see things resume as far as some sort of semblance of normalcy? Do you think that, um, you know, 2021, do, uh, do you have any idea or are you kind of just playing it as it goes?
2: Well... <laughs> To be honest, we have a full-fledged tour booked starting January 7th uh, that goes way into February, yeah. and um, okay. obviously right now nobody knows if that will go ahead as plans. But we're positive and we're crossing our fingers. Yeah. Um, there's talks about shows happening in Europe again in in the fall, yeah. and we've already had a couple of small-scale shows. Um, I think leprous played a show in Norway recently, awesome. and Destruction played that weird gig in Switzerland where <laughs> with lots of space between people. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's not the experience you want a live show to be but i'm uh, fairly um hopeful that by the end of the year or early 2021 things will be possible again and we've booked this tour and we're planning on and counting on being able to do that and if not well then you know it happens we just have to uh Played by ear and and see when we can do it. But we're itching to get out again. Yeah, and uh, it's obviously a very weird year for everyone, ourselves included. And um, we're going to release this record at a time when people will still be sitting bored at home and need I music. Yeah, generally not the worst time to release a record. You know, I think you get more attention than usual just because yeah, just because people are at home and everybody's hungry for music. And um, so I, we decided to do it in the end. Of of course, there was lots of controversial talk within the band and within mm-hmm. our team and uh, some opinions were going in the direction that we should better wait and release the record next year but in the end we were just like the record's done now um we just want to have it out and you know people are like i said are hungry for music so let's just give it to them and although we won't be able to tour on it instantly when the record comes out um That is weird, but there's other things you can do to uh, raise attention to it. And um, I also want people to absorb this record fully before we actually go out and tour with it. I don't like to release a record and then tour already like two weeks afterwards when people are just barely familiar with the material. I think it's a pretty tough record to... uh, digest and uh, it that takes time so mm-hmm. i think releasing in september and then going out in january february is is right because that will give people a bit of time to fully digest the record
0: cool man well it, it, it's 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 good that you you know you kind of brought up that people will be sitting waiting for something to digest and and you, it, that's specifically i think a good thing for your type of band like the ocean specifically um with the you're, you guys are a kind of band that it's good to sit and and digest it all and take it all in. You guys aren't just like a, you know, throw a single out there and digest the single by itself. Like, I've always kind of um, digested the albums as holes. Holes, ocean records. So um, I think that that's a good thing. If, if, you know, maybe you're home from work and you can't get back to work and something. We can all just kind of chill, listen to this record, and take it yeah. all in as a whole.
2: Exactly. Spend some
0: time with it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, so I just have a couple, yeah. uh, one more final question for you, man. And, and uh, this is a uh, one that's going to get you thinking, but uh, if you could pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it, Robin. Um, I have a pretty big, but mostly hidden
2: scar on my left uh, arm that okay. is from a jellyfish encounter in the ocean. And uh, it's it's covered because my arm is covered in in ink, yeah. and so you you cannot really see it in every uh, light anymore. But if you look closer, you can still feel it under the skin. Oh wow! Um, it's when I was a boy, I swam into a, a like kind of like a field of jellyfish uh, stingers in the in the sea here. That was oh, actually man. the same place where I'm at right now in Spain. Brutal. And I was panicking massively i was with my dad and uh i kind of like i think i was close to drowning because it was like close to sunset and i was like terrified because there was this stinging pain in the black water and it was like what is this and then i kind of lost conscience and I was underwater my my dad actually pulled me back up and punched me in the face <laughs> yeah woke you up I was crying like a baby and then uh yeah we returned to the to the shore and i had like all these marks all over my body it must have been like 20 or something oh. and they were really like red and and itching and uh, we neutralized them with vinegar and um it was it was fine it was life-threatening the scarier part was that i just like i was panicking and i kind of like you know got underwater that was yeah. the really scary part yeah and then i still had these scars and um like even half a year later my, my arm was like covered with them but um most of them went away. It just took a long time, but there's still like this one spot where you can still see this like long tentacle.
0: <laughs> that's super gnarly. Wow, damn, dude! The ocean with a with a the ocean got back at you, man. Wow, that's pretty gnarly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, Rob, Robin, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, do you have any final words for the Northwest audience here?
2: Uh, oh, you're in the northwest. Actually, I wasn't even aware. Yeah, we're we're in Seattle. Yeah. Um, well. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't aware where you're from. Actually. Um, well, we're we're very much looking forward to getting back to that beautiful part of the US. It's been way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I think our last. Stateside tour was in 2014, yeah. and uh, then we just did like a couple of West Coast shows, actually in 2016. But those were pretty and like booked very late, so we haven't done a proper US tour in a long time. And we were supposed to do that this this August actually, but it got cancelled for Honestly. all these reasons. Yep. And um, yeah, we're we're itching to get back there. We love touring America; it's always been a great experience. And hopefully, uh, 2021 will will allow us to do that fingers crossed
0: absolutely man again the new record is Phenerozoic two mesozoic cenozoic uh there is a the singles and videos out now uh you can check them out on youtube but september 25th on metal blade records pre uh pre-order the record it's got some really cool packages and cool merch and whatnot but uh dude thank you so much for taking the time to do the interview and uh stay safe out there stay positive and it sounds like you got some cool coming up man
2: excellent man thanks for your time yep have a good one dude
0: thank you you too Bye. bye